the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We got so many problems that we don't even want to look at them anymore. The worst part is that we feel like we can't do anything about it. And that's a tragedy. Because we can. Have you ever seen the look on somebody's face the day that they finally get a job? They look like they could fly. And it's not about the paycheck. It's about respect. It's about looking in the mirror and knowing that you've done something valuable with your day. And if one person can start to feel that way and then another person and another person, then pretty soon all these other problems that we're facing may not seem so impossible. You don't really know how much you can do until you stand up and decide to try. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Yes, we do have so many problems in this country, we don't know where to start. But I'll tell you where they're not. Where they're not is global warming, gay marriage, uh, repealing uh, Roe versus Wade. You know, there's a, there's a lot of little problems that are going on in this country, and those aren't that important compared to what we need to do and uh, and we're going to talk about a lot of those today and the uh and specifically the immigration thing which is the uh is the is the talk of the town and uh and we're going to talk we're going to talk about things that where we really need to start and and how we're going to turn this country around and uh then I've got a special guest for uh, part 2 of this uh, of the the show but let me let me get uh let me get right started and b- before I do let me introduce myself my name is Ed Hoffman president wholesale capital corporation your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Moreno Valley also offices in Corona Temecula Orange Westlake Village and Downey to serve all of southern California for all your real estate financing needs if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, whether that's refinancing or buying or buying your house to live in, buying a vacation home, buying some investment properties, uh, getting a reverse mortgage if you're uh, over 62, if you uh, if you need any information on any of that stuff, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And one last time, toll free, day or night, 855 855- 640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're at work or you don't want whoever to hear what's talking about, or maybe you don't want me to hear your voice until after I give you something positive, uh, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on apply now, fill in the form, fill it out, and uh, give me as much information as you want me to have and let me know what information you want me to give you back. 
and I'll uh, and you'll hear back from either myself or one of my teammates, Alex Rojas, Randy Sampius, or Matt Bradbury, and we'll get you all dialed in. If you hear something that you want repeated, you can hear a replay also on edhoffman.net. Just click listen to the main event. You'll hear this show as well as four past shows. You can also get me on iTunes, uh, and you can go to iTunes on your computer or your iPhone or your iPad or your iPod or your iWatch or uh, whatever other kind of device you can get iTunes on, and uh, just uh, search Ed Hoffman. You'll see my podcast. You can hear this show as well as four past shows, and you can subscribe for free. We'll actually download onto your device once a week, and you can listen at your convenience, which apparently is the new way of listening to things. Uh, I know that uh, I just uh, was trying to read Ann Coulter's book, uh, Adios America, and I just saw the, the book sitting there, looking all thick and I wanted to get it done and finally I just downloaded it on my iPhone and listened while I was in the car and it was much faster and that book I will tell you don't buy the book and don't read it buy the book and read it or get it on your iPhone and read it that book will blow you away with the information in there it it's not about illegal immigration it's about immigration and the and the the ideas that she presents in that are unbelievable, and you'll just go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, I noticed that. How come no one's ever paid attention to this stuff? And uh, it will it will, it will, will blow you away, and you'll have a whole different uh, feel about what's going on. So let's talk about what's going on. Um, oh, you also can uh, follow me on Twitter if you want to hear, uh, hear my uh, opinionated rants all week, at Ed Hoffman, or uh, go to our Facebook page, The Main Event 590, and uh, you can find our show page. So uh, let's talk about what's happening this week. This week, everybody's talking about illegal immigration, specifically because uh, a 32-year-old Kate Steinle, a 32-year-old girl walking on Pier 14 in San Francisco, was murdered by an illegal alien uh, walking with her father and uh, this illegal immigrant, 45-year-old Juan Francisco Lopez Sanchez, he should get some more names, and he, who had been charged with seven felonies in the United States and deported five times. But he keeps coming back. Hey, you know what? We make laws. You're not allowed to come back. Well, guess what? The only people that obey the laws are the are the good people. The people, the criminals, don't obey the laws. And where did he go? He went to San Francisco. Why? Because San Francisco is a sanctuary city. So uh, now this guy ended up with a gun. And uh, and why? You know why was he on the streets of San Francisco? Uh, I don't know because they let him do that. And uh, and it's a sanctuary city, which means they don't cooperate with the federal government when it comes to holding and identifying criminal aliens. At one point, Sanchez was in custody for his prior felony convictions. San Francisco Sheriff Ross Mercurimi let him out, defying the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement officials. On O'Reilly, they uh, he played some clips of uh, somebody interviewing uh, Mercurimi, and uh, O'Reilly had some uh, some perfect comments. Let me play that clip. Why not just inform ICE when you have a, a felon in your custody? Why not draw the line at some place where maybe you're protecting the public? They already know he's in our custody. They actually knew because he came from serving time in another then prison. Why not work with them to make sure he doesn't get released? Well, because a detainer request is not a legal instrument. A bull. The sheriff should resign immediately. I mean, what kind of law officer allows a known felon to walk free when the feds want him in custody? Ask him to keep him in custody. Sheriff's incompetent, period. Out of there. And so are the folks who run the city of San Francisco, most of whom are now hiding. 
I have to agree, and I have to say, and I have to say that the people that run this country need to be out of here because you'll notice that the Secret Service doesn't doesn't do what they're supposed to do. The IRS doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Our military can't do what they're what they're supposed to do. Everything is a is a freaking joke to our government ever since Obama got elected, and uh, with the the. Uh, Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid and all that stuff. We got rid of them, but we still have a president who who doesn't communicate with the Congress. And that's the attitude that's trickled down throughout our country. And San Francisco needs to get exploded as far as I'm concerned. Um, so that I, I completely agree. Uh, I completely agree with uh, with O'Reilly on that. Everything, everybody needs to go. Then they talked to uh, the city's board of supervisors, Julie Christensen. Uh, she was forced to talk to a CBS reporter and uh, about you know should they take some responsibility. Let's hear that. I'm not going to address that in detail. Um, the fact that if San Francisco wasn't a sanctuary city, would Kate still be alive? I'm not going to go there. She wimped out. Oh, I'm not going to go there because I know I, I we know we're responsible because we run our state, our city the way we want to. We defy all the laws, and now people are dead. And when you read Ann Coulter's book, you're going to find out there's a whole bunch more going on in this country that doesn't seem to make it into the into the headlines. Um, and now the story is more disturbing than ever. It's being reported that the gun that Sanchez used to kill uh, Kate Steinle belonged to a federal agent. Nobody seems to know how he got a hold of it. Anderson Cooper asked uh, ask, uh, ask reporter Sarah Sidner about that. Do we have any idea how a federal agent's gun would have ended up in the hands of this guy? You know, all we know is what we've been hearing from him. He's been talking in a couple of different jailhouse interviews uh, with some local stations here. He has said a, a few different stories, one of which about the gun, that he found it when he stepped down and there was something under his foot. It was wrapped in a T-shirt and the gun was inside and he picked it up and it went off, in his words. But he's told a few variations of the story. We really don't know how this gun, which authorities and a source has told me is traced back to a federal agent, ended up where he said he found it, which was literally lying somewhere on the ground in San Francisco. I found it. It Somebody left it there wrapped in a towel. Sure you did. Sure you did. And then uh, O'Reilly wraps it up with this. Dangerous people are walking around because of political correctness. The mayor and the supervisors want to seem sympathetic to illegal aliens. That's what this is all about. Them and their liberal profile. The whole thing's absolutely disgusting. It is disgusting. And he's talking about San Francisco, but this is the whole state of California and many parts in the United States. Um, in, the last 18, in the last 18 months, more than 10,000 undocumented immigrants in California have been released from police custody without immigration officials being notified. Um, I think it's I think it's criminal. And and I think somebody needs to take some responsibility and there needs to be some huge change in this country and some huge change in in how and how we're thinking about it and a change in the thinking and the and the conversation. And I think uh, Donald Trump is doing that. But let's before I get to Donald Trump. Um, the, the, the White House, you realize Josh Ernest is the press secretary. The White House, you know, Obama didn't come out and say anything, but he sent Josh Ernest out there. And, uh, and what do they want to do? Hey, just, just blame it on the Republicans. As a part of the executive actions that the president announced back in November of last year, one of the chief goals that we were seeking to accomplish was ensuring that we were focusing our law enforcement efforts on those individuals who pose a genuine threat 
to public safety and to national security. These efforts would be significantly augmented had Republicans not blocked common sense immigration reform. Bull. What what is a fundamental uh, immigration reform to Obama and to the to the Democrats? That means giving every letting everybody in here for, uh, and having amnesty, not sealing the borders, not protecting us, just having immigration reform and giving free more free stuff to to uh, illegal immigrants and legal immigrants that all vote Democrat. Let them all across the border because that's more Democratic voters. And you know if you can't, you know it's like a hey if if you want to look if you want to look thinner. Hang around fat people. If you wanna, if you wanna feel, if you wanna feel, uh, if you wanna feel rich, hang around with poor people. Uh, same concept. If you wanna make sure the Republicans can't can't win an election, flood this place with illegal aliens that, and let them let them have a vote. Let's not let's not require uh, identification because that's voter suppression. You're right. That's anti cheating. So uh, anyway, this then this uh, this week, Donald Trump. Uh, uh, maybe maybe Donald Trump's not so so offensive at all. Now Macy's and NBC and Univision and ESPN and NASCAR have have wussed out and cut their ties with uh, with Trump for his pro- his projects and his and their pageants and golf courses uh, based on his comments with illegal immigrants last week um, in his announcement speech. Trump is hitting hard. He's hitting back hard. Here's here he is with uh, Greta Van Susteren on Fox. Why are they coming at me? Because I'm against illegal immigration. Because I, I speak up for the country. I'm against illegal inform- – if you look at it, it's very simple, illegal immigration. I'm totally opposed to it. You see what happened in San Francisco with that beautiful young woman who had shot – standing with her father by a man that shouldn't have been here. We threw him out five times. Mexico sends him back in. In my opinion, the Mexican government forced him back in. They forced many criminals back into our country, and that's what I've been talking about. And frankly, people have given me great credit for talking about it. I brought a subject to light. But because I'm against illegal immigration, these people bailed because they want to be politically correct. Yep. And, you know, even I heard Ben Carson speak uh, about a year ago, no, uh, last October in Orange County. And one of the things he said was that he's not he doesn't talk politically correct because he thinks political correctness is destroying this the culture in the United States. And and I agree. I agree because we're not allowed to call a spade a spade. We're not allowed to call a, a, a crime a crime. And Donald Trump's out there saying it like it is, as if I would say it. And, uh, and you know, it, it, it angers me to hear the other Republicans put, putting him down for that. Oh, he's, he's offending the Mexican people. He's offending this person, that person. You know what? Forget offending. Call, say the truth. And uh, let's hear another clip from, uh, from Trump. I'm the one that brought up illegal immigration. This wasn't even a subject, and I brought it up, and I brought it up before the young lady was killed. And then right. that became a big story. But you have thousands of instances where illegal immigrants that come through our poorest border are killing our citizens, and lots of other problems they're bringing with them. I mean, the jails are loaded up, the hospitals are loaded up with people. And it's a horrible situation. Nobody ever brought it up. And then I watch some of the political pundits, and they hate when I bring this up. And I sort of say, how could they be? You know, aren't we all on the same side? Look, I have a very, very simple life. I have a wonderful company. I have a great, great family. All this stuff. But 
I want to make America great again. That's more important to me than my company. That's a very important thing, to make America great again. We will never be great if we keep going like this. We will never be great again as a country. And I have tremendous support. And I think you see that, Greta, in the polls. You know what? If Trump goes all the way, if Trump is in this to win it, if, if, his, if his intentions are sound, that that's what he wants to do, and he just turned 69 about two weeks ago. He's accomplished probably everything that he probably ever wanted to, and he probably could have his kids run his company now. If he's in it to change the country, I could see him being what we need in America. Um, having, you know, everybody that listens to the show knows I'm a Rick Perry guy, but, you know, I'm disappointed at Rick Perry's uh, comments and not, not, uh, uh, and, and of course he's defending himself, but, I want to hear somebody strong, and I know Rick is strong, but Trump is the one who's who's brashly saying what everybody wants to hear, and people like it. You know what? People want to feel good about America, and people want to, and people realize things are not right in this country. Things are not right, and I'll tell you that again. Ann Coulter's book, Adios America, um, that is fantastic. It's a fantastic book, probably her most controversial. Um, and I will tell you, listening to other guys on the radio that have interviewed her and listening to, uh, some of the guys on TV that have interviewed her, they haven't read the book because it's not about illegal immigration. It's about immigration. It's about the whole change of attitude of this country up until the, up until, uh, 1965 when Kennedy did his, uh, his uh, immigration reform bill, and we had a, a family reunification act, and one anchor baby comes in, and we bring in their whole family, and what and how we had immigration uh, forty years ago or fifty years ago compared to today, and what it's doing to this country. And she uncovers some facts. I think I think the the hard copy book has a hundred and twenty pages of of references is where she got all this information. And uh, as of Thursday night when she actually spoke out at the Doubletree, apparently she is her research team. It's amazing. It's amazing to me how she has time to ever be on TV and have time to do this research and write this book. But this book, you need to get it. And if you don't have time to read it, get it on iTunes or get it on audiobook and pop it in your CD player or, or put it on your, on your phone and listen to it. That will change your whole vision of what's happening here. And you go, Wow, I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't know that. But then you start opening your eyes and you start realizing this is absolutely the truth. It's absolutely the truth, but the media doesn't bring that stuff out. That book blew me away. It blew me away. I was, you know, I I had been listening to her comment on TV and I talked to her on the radio and I've listened to her on the radio and until I plugged it in and listened to it for myself, just it is just amazing. It is amazing. It will blow you away. Hey, anyway, I got a big event coming up uh, that I want to spend the rest of the show on uh, called Push Ups for Charity, and uh, and we're going to support this this uh, this organization called BootCampaign.org, and I want you guys to go on to EdHoffman.net, click on the Boot Campaign uh, or the uh, Push Ups for Charity event, and if you can't do any push ups, go on there and donate. We're trying to raise as much money for this organization. This organization is phenomenal. I talked to uh, Joey Jones, the uh, the chief operating officer, the chief uh, whatever he is, the spokesman for them, and uh, and I'm going to have him on again today. And before I do, I want to uh, 
the, I didn't realize this before. I had talked to him the first time about three weeks ago. But Nightline, ABC Nightline, uh, actually did a three-part series on him. They were actually talking to him before he lost his legs in Afghanistan and just uh, doing a, a kind of embedded report and showing him uh, search, how they search for bombs and defuse these IEDs. And uh, they actually had a camera crew was actually there when he defused bomb number 81 with his legs and uh, lost his uh, lost his his legs. And the attitude of this guy is phenomenal. I had a chance to meet him in person uh, earlier this week and have, some, and have some time to spend with him. And this guy is amazing. I'm going to play these three parts before I bring uh, uh, Joey on the phone with us. Let me play part one right now. We want to bring you a story that goes to the heart of our country's tradition of freedom won through sacrifice from the revolution right until today. This is the amazing story of one Marine we first met more than a year ago in Afghanistan in a place that years of war had made unsafe for everyone. He signed up for a duty that put him directly in harm's way. He talked with us about the risks at the time. ABC's Clarissa Ward has more in American Valor. One Marine's story. We first meet Sergeant Joey Jones in Helmand, Afghanistan, opium capital of the world and financial base of the Taliban. Helmand is the deadliest province for U.S. troops. Do you feel like you're ready to retire or do you like it? Oh, I'm just getting started. Yeah, just getting started. And 23-year-old Jones has one of the most dangerous jobs, bomb disposal. It's one thing to be a Marine, a service member. That's a big deal. You're really doing a lot for your country and the guys around you. But as an EOD tech, I just saw an opportunity to do a little bit more. He is from Dalton, Georgia, a high school football star and the father of a two-year-old boy. On this day, a tip comes in from a local Afghan. We walk a mile through poppy fields. Jones and his team member prepare for the task at hand. A good day is us being bored and training Marines how to find IEDs. bad day is uh, coming out here and doing our job and something going wrong. There are no big bomb suits. With painstaking care, they prepare to detonate the IED. There is an achingly long silence and then... The blast rings in our ears. We walk to the crater, but suddenly a local resident warns that there are three more bombs in the area. Hey, get them out of here. Hearts pounding, we carefully follow our own footsteps back across the canal. A secondary sweep and the scare seems to be over. It's another good day. After we leave Helmand, Jones updates our team with Facebook messages. We have worked more IEDs than any Marine EOD team in the country since we arrived in March. As the summer sets in, fighting season ratchets up. Shortly after y'all left, things got pretty hairy. We spent a few days fighting a lot, and IEDs became much more frequent and complex in our area of operation. But things were about to get immeasurably worse. Late summer, Jones and his team are sent out on a routine mission. They have defused 40 bombs in just five days. Jones takes a wrong step, triggering an explosion. A CBS News crew captured the chaos in the moments after the blast. When I landed, uh, I wasn't feeling pain yet, but I, I knew what had happened. Uh, my face felt swollen automatically, and my, I could see my legs were gone. So I knew that maybe just by the, the blood loss I had received so far, I might not make it. I started talking to the guys, you know, I asked one guy to pray with me. Uh, told him to, you know, tell, tell my parents I love him, tell my son I love him. His mother, Joyce, was at home in Dalton, Georgia, when officers arrived to tell her the news. And they wouldn't even tell me if he was alive. 
they had told me that he had lost both his legs, one below the knee and one above. They had to do amputation. When Jones regained consciousness, he was at the Landstuhl Hospital in Germany, alive, but his legs were gone. Everything was bandaged up. I had tubes coming out everywhere. You know, it wasn't the best day in my life. He also learned something that will continue to haunt him. Corporal Greer, an engineer, his task was sweeping with metal detectors, kind of like the first guy there. A very brave job and one that he was very proud of. He uh, suffered traumatic brain injury, lost his life. See, the other one's just a little bit shorter. It's all bandaged up, so it looks about the same way. Jones was moved to Bethesda Naval Medical Center, where our team visited him one week later. He is a shadow of the strapping Marine we met in Afghanistan, but still remarkably upbeat. I feel great. You know, uh, I didn't lose my legs. So I was given a second chance at life. You know, I, Marines, you know, die daily, and, and it would be very selfish of me to, to be upset over over uh, becoming an amputee when I, when I could, have, could not be here right now. What an attitude for a 23-year-old to have. It's just amazing to me. When you'll hear parts two and three coming up after the break, you'll realize that it wasn't all as smooth and happy and rosy. Before I go to the break, let me remind you, we're doing push-ups for charity to benefit the bootcampaign.org. Um, go to edhoffman.net. Ed Hoffman, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Then the first thing on my on my webpage is the push-ups for charity link. Go there to donate and sign up to come out and do some push-ups. If you can do one push-up in 90 seconds or you can do 100 push-ups in 90 seconds, we want you there. We'll have uh, food. We'll have all kinds of people, and, uh, and we'll talk more about this right after the break. Uh, hold on. Uh, stay tuned for five minutes of uh, traffic and weather and commercials. We'll be right back with part two. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We're not talking mortgages, but just in case you need one, 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. If you need any financial mortgage stuff, call me at that. We're talking about Joey Jones and the boot campaign. Here we're going to go into part two of the, of the Nightline's presentation on Joey Jones. Sergeant Joey Jones, the Marine who lost both his legs in buried explosive in Afghanistan. Back at Walter Reed Army Medical Center here in Washington with his family at his side, Joey Jones begins to make an incredible recovery. And then for the first time, the sheer scale of the challenge he faces hits him hard. Here's ABC's Clarissa Ward. Sergeant Jones is now able to get out of his room, but it's been two weeks of sheer hell. Once they took me off the, the, the heavy pain meds from Germany, um, that was a horrible time. The phantom pains were often unbearable. Sometimes it felt like someone was twisting my foot around to where it was trying to pop it off. You know, those are phantom pains. Those are much worse than real pain. Phantom pains are the, one, are the excruciating pains, the ones that you can't put a hand on it and say, oh, that hurts, you know. Uh, feel it, and, and it's just horrible. It's, it's horrible. Jones is ready to begin the long road of intense physical therapy. It is exhausting, both physically and mentally. Throughout the grueling rehab, when every day is a struggle, Jones keeps his sense of humor. There you go, taking our friendship to another level. He is surrounded by family and his high school sweetheart, Meg, 
After school, they went their separate ways, but stayed in touch. When Jones got hurt, Meg came straight to Bethesda. As long as he needs me here, I'm going to be here. And there's, there's nothing that can make me leave here. Fellow Marines, many who have also been wounded in battle, drop in almost daily. It's going to be a long road, but you seem to have the mind for it, and I think you get the heart for it, too. But there are days when spirits flag. I mean, it's just like he told me. He says, Mama, why did this have to happen to me when I was helping people? I said, I don't know, son. I don't have all the answers. Do you feel angry? Um, yeah. You know, uh, but what's that going to do? It's like getting mad at a computer, you know? <laughs> because I said all day long, it's not going to change anything. Now, this might be a little snug, so... After six weeks, Jones moves to Walter Reed and gets fitted for his first pair of shorties, short prosthetic legs designed to help amputees regain their upper body balance. It's not long before a major breakthrough, the first few tentative steps. Bring one foot forward. Perfect, perfect. You're swinging through straight. Good. Incredibly tough, but so rewarding. Yeah, it feels great to walk again. But the next time we visit Jones, his progress is slowing down. You can feel my leg. There's a lot of bone out here on the outside of my leg as yeah. opposed to the inside. Right. The shorties are causing him pain, and he may need another surgery, on top of the more than a dozen he has already had. There are endless fittings and refittings, and his confidence has taken a blow. The other day, somebody asked how I was feeling, and I told him, yeah, I'm doing good, hanging in there, you know. And after they walked away, I felt like, man, she just said, you know, you know, I don't know, how, how do you think I'm feeling? I don't have legs, you know, I can't put my underwear on. Well, how do you think I feel, you know? It's not okay, it's not going to be okay. Through it all, Meg never leaves his side. But security issues, you know. I'm always afraid she's going to leave me for a legged guy. Stop. No one can be as charming as you. Charm only goes so far when you're having to put somebody's underwear on for them. <laughs> Jones's perseverance pays off. At Christmas, he is strong enough to go home, his first time since deploying to Afghanistan. In his hometown of Dalton, Georgia, he has become something of a local hero. I can't go into a restaurant, you know, like, uh, you know, you're the guy saw on TV or you're the guy saw on the paper. But Jones is unwavering in his focus. It's about all the Marines, soldiers, sailors, airmen that are up there at Walter Reed going through what I'm going through. It's about letting people know that to me. And uh, part of that is also all the Marines, soldiers, sailors, and airmen that have died. Uh, not for any other reason, but to save the lives of the men around him. When we visit him at home in Georgia, it's the first time we've seen him standing on his own since Afghanistan. Uh, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too. You're you standing got, up. You got taller. I know. Maybe I got shorter. He trains every day with a group of close friends, and the results are evident. I haven't never seen you walking around in before. Right. So it's like a, it's not really a walk, it's more of a waddle. Going home also allows Jones to be with his two-year-old son, Brayden, who has barely known his daddy. When I think of Brayden, I think of the one good thing I've done in life. But then with all the happiness from that comes a lot of frustration. I get to watch him play with my mom, my dad, and people on the floor, but you know, if I got down the floor with him, I can't move around. 
and uh, it's frustrating. In spite of the frustrations, it is a blissful time for Jones and his family after all they have been through. Reconnecting and relaxing, sharing the joy of being alive and of being together. Jones still has a long road ahead in his recovery, and he battles with an emotional wound that may never heal. You're listening to the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman. We're now going to hear part three of Nightline's series on Joey Jones. Having relearned to walk using prosthesis, Jones devotes himself to new duties, family, school, his fellow wounded vets. But beneath it all is a pain that hasn't diminished that no one else can see. Here's ABC's Clarissa Ward. After months of back-breaking work... Oh, thanks, babe. Jones and his girlfriend, Meg, have moved into their own apartment. And he is driving a specially designed truck bought with donated funds. You're looking so great. Yeah, we've been working on it. Oh, my God. Wow. Most importantly, he is starting to walk on his full legs. This is me. I carry that. To be sure, Jones is back on his feet, but he still occasionally needs a hand. And there are some wounds which may never fully heal. Jones stepped on the IED, but another man lost his life. Corporal Daniel Greer. Oh, I think about him every day. And um, there's no amount of uh, emotion that could ever take that away. I know I didn't do anything wrong, but maybe I didn't do enough stuff right. Life gets easier. Uh, the prosthetics get easier. Understanding that Corporal Greer is gone for good, doesn't it? Never will. Um, never. His rigorous physical therapy routine is paying off. I'm walking, I can put on slacks, and I'm really being aggressive and taking control of my life again. So I feel wonderful about that. Jones has just finished his first semester at the University of Maryland. I have a family to take care of. And um, although I'm back walking around, I'm obviously not going to make a living with my hands again. So I, I think I've definitely felt a huge sense of urgency when it comes to... to being successful. He is an intern with the Defense Threat Reduction Agency and a volunteer with the Armed Forces Foundation. Anything I can do for those main charities that have really made an impact in my life, I try to do whatever I can to give back. He's been presented with numerous awards and countless medals, including a Purple Heart. At this year's Combatant Commander's Dinner, Jones and Meg were seated at the same table as President Obama. It was extremely exciting. The president and I talked about a few hot topics and then talked about stuff like the fact that I lived uh, out in Kailua, Hawaii, where, where he spent a lot of his childhood. Adam, what's up, man? But the highlight of his new life is the work he does at Bethesda Naval Medical Center. Every week he visits recently injured Marines, like Corporal Tony Mullis, who lost both of his legs in an IED just one day after his baby boy was born. And it healed up real fast. He hopes to offer advice and moral support from someone who understands firsthand. This will be you, man. It is. No hope so. There is a definite yes it will be, you know what I mean? Despite everything he has been through, Jones's feelings about serving his country have not changed. I didn't join the military to kill anyone. I didn't join the military to go to Afghanistan or Iraq. I joined the military to better myself as a person and help better the people around me by serving our country. It's early June, 11 months after his accident, and Jones has some big news. He has proposed to Meg. Our story is it's a book to be, to be released. We're high school sweethearts. Uh, that uh, spent a lot of time finding ourselves apart 
and uh, we're able to come back together. She doesn't look at me and see he used to be in great shape. And he used to be six foot tall, intimidating or whatever. She looks at me and sees, well, he is the love of my life. You know, he is the charming, sincere, sweet guy that I fell in love with. Already, Jones is preparing for the next big challenge, running a marathon. The uh, Marine Corps Marathon's in November. There's no reason why I can't run a small portion of it and hand cycle the rest and be ready to run all 26 miles next year. So life is looking pretty good right now. It's looking wonderful. Walking tall in the face of an unfathomable sacrifice, Sergeant Joey Jones is going places, and he's showing no signs of slowing down. For Nightline, I'm Clarissa Ward in Washington. On the phone, I have Joey Jones, Sergeant Joey Jones, a U.S. Marine, and the head spokesman for the boot campaign. Joey, welcome back. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me back. It is it is going fantastic. You know, we just played your Nightline series, and to introduce to uh, all my listeners just what a intensely awesome attitude you have. You know, uh, we talked on the show three weeks ago, and I was impressed by your, your attitude, but I hadn't seen the series yet. Then your publicist sent it to me and uh, since, and then we got a chance to, uh, to spend a little time together in L.A. two days ago. And uh, I, how old are you now, Joey? I'll be 29 this month, so I'm still hanging on to 28. <laughs> you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it is completely Im- impressive and inspirational that someone who's been through what you've been through in, 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 uh, in your life to have such a positive outlook and especially at 29, because I don't think most people grow up till about 29, but you obviously at 23 in the hospital, thanking God for your uh, second chance at life. It's, uh, I just have to say I'm, I'm completely in awe of, of, of people like you that get it. Well, I appreciate that. And that's, that's really, I'm glad you term, term it that way. I, I don't ever feel like I have some type of wisdom on things or anything like that. But for me, what I try to do just in this job at Boot Campaign is explain to people, Hey, you know, this is such an amazing life, and just to live and be in this country even is, is a gift. And if you spend your time focusing on things you can't really change, you're not going to appreciate and see all the blessings that are at, at your fingertips. And so, you know, it's it's up to each individual. But if you can focus on those things that matter or those things that that are blessings in themselves, you're just going to get so much more out of life, and and it really is an amazing adventure. Now, you made a comment when we were together on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, you said, you know what, this is a great country, and it's not because of, finish that. Yeah, so, you know, when I, when I talk to people, what I tell them is, I think, personally, uh, we're the greatest country on earth. And it's not because of the size of our military, which is exceptional, or the amount of wealth we have, which is exceptional. But it's just how we treat each other as people. And you go back to the documents that inspired and eventually created and written and wrote the law for this country. We're not perfect, but we're one of the very few, if not the only countries that legitimately wakes up in the morning and goes, what can we do to be a little more perfect? What can we do to take care of these men and women a little better? What can we do to represent each other a little better? And, um, you know, that really comes down to, um, for me, when I walk out the door in the morning, I look to the people I intercept to have a good day and to tell them to have a good day and to be pleasant and enjoy that interaction and enjoy what the day has in store. If I'm stuck in traffic for two hours, I relish in the fact that for those two hours, the biggest problem I have is that I'm stuck in traffic. You know, and that's just, it's a, it's a mindset, it's a perspective. Yes, it is. It has to go along with how your parents raise you, that 
you that you've gotten to this gotten to this age with this with this attitude yeah you know i my parents definitely uh raised me to be humble and thankful and and i look you know <laughs> i knew humility very early on i grew up in a in a house that has 1960 model mobile home both my parents fell to the floor before we moved out of it so i've been poor you know and and i understand that but i also saw my dad lay brick and block every day until we could afford to build a house and saw my mom clean other people's houses until she had one of her own. And so what I saw from them was that, you know, there are things you can change and things you can't change. But if you focus on the things that matter and the things you can change, you'll get a lot more out of it. And that's what I saw my parents do, and it's what I try to emulate. Okay, so let's talk about Boot Campaign. Boot Campaign is an organization that takes over where the government leaves off to help guys like you and many other veterans that come back from defending our country and fill in the specifics. What does Boot Campaign do for these guys? And 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 I know that I asked you about doing some, giving some personal sort of some personal stories um, about some of the things that they've done of recent. And you said, well, we don't really want to to be out there and try to make people feel feel bad because we want to have a positive attitude, which I that just amazes me. This organization, the whole attitude behind it. Tell everybody about. Every some specifics that what boot campaign does. Yeah, absolutely. So at the end of the day, you've got this veteran population, military population, most of which joined at 17, 18, 19 years old. They spent their college years serving this country, learning some intangible leadership and other skills. And then they got out at 24, 26, 30 maybe. They don't have that you know, nuts and bolts college education, but they may have blue collar and, and even intangible skills that, that other people don't have. So what they need most of the time is what we call gap funding. They need financial assistance as they fill those gaps in their lives, as they finish school or learn a trade skill they didn't know in the military, as they hit those checks in the box that will prepare them for a successful career in the civilian world. They may need someone to pay the bills for a week. They may need someone to repair their trucks so they can go to job interviews. They may need someone to pay for financial counseling because they're just over their head. And that's what we have the opportunity to do. I can give you an example. A good friend of mine lost both of his legs below the knee in Afghanistan working in the special operations community. He and his wife worked with nonprofits. They stayed in D.C. He went to school. They did everything right. They bought a home because it makes more sense than paying someone else, paying for someone else's mortgage. And he hit a breaking point. He hit a point where the money coming in wasn't going to take care of what the, he needed to go out for about three months. And he had an opportunity with two robot feet to go to Afghanistan and provide security for a company and make a lot of money and then come back and put everything on hold to put his life in jeopardy again on the civilian side. Or he had to get rid of school, finish or quit school for that summer and go to work full time at his part time job. We were able to pay for his mortgage across that summer so that he could finish the school. Now he's got a master's degree. He works for the government. He does amazing things. He's financially set. So that's just one exceptional story where we were able to keep him out of harm's way even and in the things he wanted to do and in school and finishing his education at the young age of 33. So that's one example. We had a young man that he and his wife moved up to Delaware, uh, stationed in the Air Force. They bought a home. They'd never done that before. They got slightly taken advantage of once they got settled in the home. The entire septic system was ruined. There wasn't a lemon law to protect them. There wasn't any type of funding to help them out with that. We spent just shy of 20000 to replace their septic system so that that first home purchase 
was a success for them. So those are the kinds of things we do. And it's not a negative thing. They're not being pacified. They're not, you know, we're not giving them a Band-Aid when they need a tourniquet. You know, our veteran community is pretty ambitious and pretty amazing. So when we help these guys and gals out, they tell us, hey, two years later we started a business. Two years later we're doing this, we're doing that. We're the CEO, COO, we're finishing school. It's success. We're giving them a help along the way. And quite frankly, similar to you, I was raised by poor parents, and I think this country is the land of opportunity, and it was for me to go from uh, two parents with nothing and a dad that taught me everything I didn't want to be in my life based on example, and I've become very, very, very successful, and I totally appreciate the fact that you guys have uh, have fought for us to keep our country free, and not just you guys in Afghanistan and and Iraq, but World War Two, World War One, and Vietnam, and all those guys that have said, "Hey, I'm going to serve because I believe this country is the greatest country ever." I don't have a problem paying extra taxes to support the veterans, but we give the money to the government, and they pay you guys peanuts. And when you guys come back from war half alive, all they do is get you guys to breathe. And then you're on your own to try and to uh, acclimate to your new life. And between the uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome and the and the physical stuff, and I see how you walk on your prosthetic legs, and you know your life has changed forever. And you know, for those of us that that have have the fruits of this country, I don't have a problem putting out money for that and to try and help help you guys and say thank you rather than giving it to some Clinton Foundation that's going to go teach somebody nothing and and they're going to just be a way to evade taxes tell us about how your organization some somebody comes back from from war they're having some problems how do they how how does how do you guys decide who gets who gets help well one of the things we pride ourselves in is that we don't we don't limit who's eligible for funding by which war they served in, or whether or not they got injured, or what their job was, or what service they were in. For us, the prerequisites are that you served and you served honorably, and that the help we give you will be effective. We do have people that come to us, and they've made so many bad decisions, all, I mean, over a period of years, that we could give them, we could expend our account, and it wouldn't fix their problem. And when we get those people, we can't just, we can't, we have to be conscientious and and smart with our money. So what we do is we partner with other charities that might provide financial counseling or a complete financial overhaul. And so we, we say no to no one. We bring them over to someone that adds a comprehensive solution. Um, but for the lion's share of people that apply and how we make that determination, it's really simple. You served, you served honorably, and the money we can give you will put you in a better place. So, no, we're not going to pay for a Cadillac Escalade or a trip to Hawaii. We're going to pay the water bill. We're going to pay the power bill. We'll pay for the car payment because you need it to go to job interviews. So it's very simple, and we keep it simple. It's very ambitious for us because if we did add prerequisites, we could limit who could apply and then, and then you know uh, not have such a high workload. But that's not what we're here for. We're here to help every veteran that needs it and then tell the rest of America why they need it and how many of them do need it and what they can do to help. We were talking about the difference between your organization and one big one that's, uh, that does similar stuff but has much higher overhead cost. And you made a comment about the amount of cash that they have and the amount of cost. Can you uh, expand on that a little bit in versus boot campaign? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, there's no reason to name the organization. You know, 
there are a lot of leading organizations out there. There are only one or two that are on television every every other day. So I'll leave it at that. And you know, I I personally don't get hung up if if an organization needs 35 or 40 percent overhead to function. I want to know why before I just say, well, that's not right. Because working in a nonprofit, I know it takes money to do the things we do, and sometimes there isn't a way to cut costs, but it's still more efficient than a government program or not doing it at all. Um, so that's how we look at it. However, when an organization has a high overhead and they've got literally tens of millions of dollars setting in a bank without a direct action plan, that's not who we are and it's not what we're going to be. If we cancel out at zero at the end of every year, we've done our job. That means we spent every dollar we could where it needed to go and we're still trying to catch up. And that's how it will always be. As a nonprofit, spending 83 cents on every dollar towards our mission on our programs, we'll never be able to catch up. And we shouldn't be able to until the need's not there anymore. And so all we're trying to do is position ourselves to have money coming in so we can send it back out. And people that donate, we don't want them just to donate. We want them to be involved in what we do because we're spreading a message as much as we're helping these service members. And that message is these men and women are exceptional because they put their lives on the line. Many of them had their lives changed forever so that we could have this free country and opportunity to go to events and have a good time. So as you're out enjoying life, be appreciative. And while you're being appreciative, say thank you. You can do that by helping us out. You can do it by going and talking to a veteran yourself. Absolutely. And talk to us about uh, push-ups for charity. We're doing our event on July 25th out at our office at, at, in Moreno Valley at Wholesale Capital. And everybody who wants to join up can go to edhoffman.net and click on the push-ups for charity uh, link right on the front of my website. Talk about push-ups for charity. Yeah. Push-ups for charity is one of the ways we raise money and awareness. We ask you to get down and do push-ups for 90 seconds so that you're physically showing your appreciation and you're living 90 seconds of the life of a veteran because everyone in the service has to do push-ups. What you do is you sign up at pushupsforcharity.com for an event near you or to host an event. And when you get down and you do your 90 seconds of push-ups, you've gotten people to donate towards them. So it's kind of like a, a walking marathon or a jump rope marathon. And it's all for the purpose of raising money and awareness for our military and helping fund the programs at Boot Campaign. Fantastic. We're out of we're out of time, Joey. I need to, to say some things to end, but uh, you and I will be in touch some more because I want to make make this event an annual event, and I uh, completely appreciate being able to be a part of your organization. No, absolutely. We appreciate people like you that are so enthusiastic and just know not passionate about what we're doing. I appreciate it, man. Okay, so that's Joey Jones. It's push-ups for charity coming up uh, Saturday morning, July 25th. We'll start with a live broadcast of the main event, and then we're going to be doing push-ups. We're going to have food trucks out there. We're going to have all kinds of excitement. Come on out and support this event. For more information, call my assistant, Michelle, 488-3112, 951-488-3112, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the push-ups for charity link. And uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.